I'm so excited to be here. It's an honour. Thank you, Nina, for asking me to come. I had a great time with all the girls who was in the room yesterday. So fun. We had a great time and God moved and I heard you did some awesome clay work after and just an amazing opportunity to get together and just have a moment to breathe and allow God to do what he wants to do. Um, a bit about me, and I shared this with the girls yesterday. I'm married to um, Josh, and he's preaching tonight, and um, he's amazing. If you haven't heard him, you need to go. He's an incredible, gifted, amazing guy, and we have two beautiful children. I might have a photo there. They are. This is Jackson, and he's 11, and this is Jordan, and he is um, eight on Tuesday. It's his birthday, so we are well aware of that. Um, we've got a bit of organising to do and they're beautiful. You know, when I was pregnant with Jack, um, Josh, I told the girls yesterday, Josh put his hands on my stomach and he prayed for a naughty boy. And, and I'm like, no, you cannot, you can't pray that. Absolutely. Josh, what do you think? It's, no, no, I mean a cheeky boy, like with personality that's got, you know, he's got like some fire in him. Well, God answers your prayer because he is an amazing kid, but he is a, he's a mini Josh really. Um... But the one thing about Jack, which astounds me, he is uh, organised and he is tidy. Like, his room is never messy. Everything's in order. He knows where everything is. It's a, I'm like, this is amazing. He's hard to lead, but he's an amazing clean kid. And then, so when I fell pregnant with Geordie, I was like, okay, we need to think about what we're praying because God answers prayers. So we prayed for a beautiful, kind, sweet lovely creative child and that is exactly who Jordan is he is the sweetest boy you will ever meet um he knows all of his friends he knows their favorite things he's just beautiful and um he, but he's a creative mess an absolute his head is a mess you walk in his room there's no point telling him to clean it up because it's just out of control tape paper everywhere that's it so he's beautiful they're amazing boys um and then we thought our family isn't done let's get a dog so we got a dog we got a, a dog called buddy i don't have a photo i should um he's a beagle ear does anyone have a beagle or a beagle ear you've got one oh we need to pray for you <laughs> they're hard they're hard. These are hard dogs. I said to Josh, let's get like a cavoodle, like one that doesn't molt, one that's very well behaved. No beagles. Uh, they have uh, millions of scent receptors in their, their nose, right? Way more than normal dogs. So they are food mad. And he, like literally he wants to escape every time the door opens. And it's not because he doesn't love us. It's just because he needs to go. He needs to follow his nose. So he's been hard work, but he's part of the family. We love him. The boys love him. I love him. Josh doesn't love him so much. But he's, he wanted to sell him at one point and I'm like, no, you, you committed to this. You wanted this. And then we got a little turtle and we have a gorgeous little turtle and his name is Jordle and I love Jordle. Jo like, Jordle is so easy. You don't have to walk them. You don't have to clean up his poo. You don't have to do anything like that. He stays in his tank. It's amazing. So that's my little family. Um, I... I'm a, I grew up in the country. I'm a country girl at heart and in Mildura, Victoria is where I was born. My parents are here this morning. It's so awesome that my mum and dad are here. They're normally in Adelaide but we came, we came, we got to meet my little nephew for the first time yesterday. I hadn't met little Samuel so it was so beautiful. Mum and dad were like, well come down to Redcliffe. Where is it? I'm like, I don't know, you'll just have to find it. But Redcliffe, so it's so good to be here. So I'm a country girl at heart. My dad has been a pastor my whole entire life. I grew up 
In a, he was a national president of the Baptist Union. He's a very humble man, but I'll say that. And he's now part of the board for the Baptist World Alliance. I was going to say World Aid, but it's not aid. It's World Alliance. Um, he's an incredible, incredible man. And I married a full-on Pentecostal. So I'm a Baptocostal this morning. I, I, um, I'm excited to be here. So, if you are new, it's awesome you're here, and this is an amazing church, and our prayer is you feel way at home, that you walk in here like I did and feel like this is home, a place you can connect and grow, and my prayer is that today you'll see Jesus. You'll see him, you'll hear about him, and you'll walk out changed. That's my prayer. So, the title of my message this morning is Just Do What He Tells You. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this moment in time we have together to open your word. Holy Spirit, come. I pray you'll speak to us, challenge us, open our eyes and reveal yourself to us afresh this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to read from John 2. Jesus and his mum were at a wedding. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. I love that she went to Jesus. They have no more wine. She knew where to go when there was lack. So Mary says to Jesus, they have no more wine. And Jesus says, woman, why do you involve me? And Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. I think um, one of the biggest battles we face as parents, as people, is obedience. Teaching our kids, our dogs, our whatever, to do what we tell them, right? That is one of the biggest things you face as a parent, is obedience. I mean, you can look at your kids, you can tell them once, twice, three times, and they still don't listen, do they? (laughs) Maybe they do to you. I want to talk about real-life parenting for just one moment. You're not going to get this on a parenting course or a seminar. And this is what sometimes happens in your home and my home. Maybe it's happened in your home, but we don't want to really admit it. So you ask your kids to do something like, Jack, put your shoes and socks on to go to school. Your first stage as a parent is you, you basically saying, this is reasonable, right? Put your shoes and socks on. I have to go and you have to go. It sounds reasonable. The second stage it goes through with children is you have to beg them. Please, Jack, just put your shoes and socks on. We're going to be late. Please, 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 please. Do we beg them? Third stage in parenting is you threaten them. Right, if you do not put your shoes and socks on, you are, you're banned from the PlayStation. That's it. In fact, I'm going to give it away. That's what we do. We'll say it. So we reason, we beg, we threaten. Then stage four is we lose it. If you don't put your shoes and socks on, mummy's going to get so mad. You have to do this and do it fast. Why don't you listen? Stage five is you have to bribe them. And you say, if you do this, we'll go past Macca's after school. Come on, put your shoes and socks on. And then stage six is you imagine leaving them while you go on a holiday to Bali or Port Douglas or wherever you like to go, maybe Malula Bar, and you imagine leaving them and you're sitting by a beach and you've not got a care in the world. That's what happens with parenting because kids sometimes just don't listen. 
obedience. Even when I prepped this message, I got up from my computer and I walked off to do something and I walked past Jordan's room and Jordan's room is often a pigsty. And I said, Jordan, look at your room. Clean it up. Just said it that. Look at your room. Clean it up. Walked back to my computer, kept writing. About 10 minutes later, Geordie comes up to me at the computer and I said, Jordan, is your room clean? And he goes, no, you told me to look at it. I said, I did say that, yes, but what did I say after I said, look at your room? I said, clean it up. Kids have selective hearing. I mean, he did what I told him, but he didn't do the whole thing. Even our spouses sometimes don't listen. I've given Josh some very wise advice over the years. Don't get a dog. I've lived on a farm. I know the work it takes. I know what you have to do. Let's not do it. Yep, he didn't listen. I said, don't jump and double bounce the boys on the trampoline. Someone is going to get hurt. And he double bounced Jack and he broke his leg. I gave him wise advice. (laughs) I said to him one time, don't get a black TV cabinet because they get so dusty. You'll have to dust it every day. Nobody wanted it, so he still got it. And I'm the one that has to clean it. Sometimes people don't listen. And I think we do this with God too. We don't listen. What did you tell me? Oh, I wasn't listening. Oh, I don't really want to do that. I'm happy to look at what you want me to do, but I don't really want to do the messy cleaning up hard bit part. We do it with God. And if you're like me, I'm a little bit of a runner. If God wants me to do something, I'll run the other way and say, oh, no, 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 I'm too busy. You know, I can't do that. I don't want to do that. That's what we do with God as well. I love what Mary says at the wedding. I love how she says to the servants and the disciples there as well. She says, just do whatever he tells you because she knows whatever Jesus says is going to be best. Has anyone been walking out an obedience journey? Yes, (laughs) we all are. And the Bible says that obedience is better than sacrifice. Often we like to sacrifice and sacrifice is sometimes a little bit easier, just coming in and doing and serving and all that. But but you know what? Jesus just wants us to do what he's asked us to in the first place. He wants obedience. What is he telling you to do? Because if you don't know, the world will tell you who to be, where to go and what to do. What is he telling you to do? When I first began writing this, ma- this message, I felt under massive attack. I was exhausted. I had lots going on in my world. And after a number of battles, I said to Josh, that's it. I'm not doing it. I'm not preaching. I had a meltdown and I told him, no way, I quit. And in the moment I decided to stop and quit and lay down what God had actually asked me to do. And right there, he gave me this look like, okay, Shana. Okay, Shana. I often get that look. And I had to make a choice. Was I going to stay there in my wallowing party and say, I'm not, I'm done, I'm, I'm just going to look at what you want me to do, but I'm not going to do it? Or was I going to stand up, be obedient, trust God and do what he asks me to do? Because he's always asking for obedience. He's just giving us an opportunity to say yes, to do what he asks us to do. So my take-home message is when everything in you wants to run or say no or just look at what he wants you to do, keep standing 
keep showing up. Keep saying yes. Even when you're not comfortable, even when it hurts, even when you just want to run, stand, show up. You can trust God because he actually knows what's best for us. We think we know, but he created us. He knows what's best for us. So I want to tell you about Mary this morning, Jesus' mother, who had a much more gracious and profound response to God than I often do. So let's look at three of her profound responses. Is that okay? The first amazing response I want to show you this morning that Mary had was when the angel appeared to her to tell her that she would be pregnant with the Son of God. And the angel turns up to Mary in Luke, in Luke 1, and he says, you know what, don't be afraid, you're going you're gonna to have a baby and you're to call him Jesus. And she says, how? How am I going to do that? I'm a virgin. And then the angel says to her, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And he goes on to tell her about Elizabeth and he says, the angel says, for no word from God will ever fail. And listen to Mary's response to the angel. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left. I am the Lord's servant. Oh, when I read Mary's response, I was like, oh. I need to respond like that. I often don't respond like that. What a powerful response. A reminder of us to who we are. Who we are, our purpose here on earth. We are the Lord's servants. That's who we are. And when we get that right in our head, everything falls into place. Our culture doesn't want to be servants We don't want to serve. We don't want to do things. We want to do what we want to do when we want to do it, how we want to do it, and we want to control it. I know because that is me. But I'm so encouraged by her response because sometimes when God speaks to me and sometimes if it's through somebody in my life that I trust or a leader or something or or even Josh, I'm like, no, I'm not your servant. I'm not your slave. I'm not doing that. But that's what we do. And you know what? God sends people into our lives to help and serve and we're like, no, I'm not doing that. But Mary's response, I am the Lord's servant. I'll do, I'll do it. May your word to me be fulfilled. It needs to be our response, whether you're at work, whether you're buying coffee, whether you're shopping, whether you're um, in uni or you're studying or you're at school. In the morning when you wake up, I am the Lord's servant. That's why I'm here. So we're here to do what he wants us to do. And when we get that right, everything changes. You know, when I wrote this message and read this scripture, it has changed my thinking so much that before I do anything anymore, whether it be speak to staff or whatever, this is what I utter in my, I'm I'm the Lord's servant. Because I need to know. I need to be reminded because sometimes I think I'm here for myself. But no, 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 I'm here to serve you. And it's been transformational for me. It's enabled me to step into what God wants me to do just by uttering those very words. I am the Lord's servant. Mary, at the age of 14, chose, made a decision to trust God with her future. She obeyed. 
I mean, that's a big... She was highly favoured because she was willing to surrender her life at 14. 14 14-year-olds just want to get what they want to do. And she at 14, I am the Lord's servant. She was highly favoured because she was willing to lay her life down and say, okay, God, my future is yours. My husband is yours. I don't know what, how this is going to play out. They're all going to think I'm a virgin. They're now, they think I'm not a virgin. Like all this stuff's going to happen, but I'm your servant. We need to be like that. We need to operate like that. Willing to lay our lives down no matter what it costs because his way is always best. Her first response, I am the Lord's servant. Her second amazing response was at the wedding that I read at the start. Because Mary actually pushed Jesus into his public ministry. He performed his first public miracle right there at the wedding. And she knew that it was time for Jesus to do that. But, but the beginning of his ministry meant the beginning of his end. And she knew that. Because at his baby dedication, this is amazing, Mary and Joseph went to present Jesus in the temple and Simeon prophesied over Mary and it's in Luke 2 verse 25. This is what he said to Mary at her baby's dedication. Then Simeon blessed them and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. Imagine getting that at your baby dedication. No, I don't want my, I don't want a sword to pierce my very soul. She knew there was pain ahead. She might not have known what it looked like, but she knew there was pain. And here she was, okay, Jesus, you tell them what to do. You do it. She knew. She knew there was pain ahead for her. But at the age of 14, when she decided, she made a decision and a choice to obey God and surrender her life. That was a choice. By the time the wedding comes, 30 years later, she's been on a journey with God and a journey with Jesus. And she knows that trusting and obeying him is best. So she can now tell other people at the wedding, just do what he says. Do what he says. Because now I know, I know I can trust him. Back here, she made a choice. And you know what? Today, maybe you need to make a choice to trust God, to surrender your life. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that at the end of the service. But she's had a, a lifetime of trusting and obeying God. And so she knows, she's telling others, the servants and the disciples are there watching Do what he says. Do what he says. What does God ask you to do? You know, there was lack at that wedding. The wine had run out. And she knew where to turn when there was lack. She knew who to go to when they needed something. And when you don't have the answers and you can't see the way through, just do what he says. Open his word. Hear from him. He'll reveal it to you every time. So Mary's first amazing response was, I am the Lord's servant. Her second amazing response was, do whatever he tells you, because she knew that was best. And the third amazing response that Mary had was at the cross. Now, this wasn't a verbal response. This was a positional response. 
John 19.25 says, Mary, Jesus' mother, was standing next to his cross along with Mary's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Mary was standing at the cross. Nina said in communion, I, I don't know if I could do that. I get that. I don't know if I could have been standing there watching all that. Mary stood when everyone had run, when so many other disciples and so many other followers had run, Mary is standing at the cross. You know, one of the greatest witnesses that we can have to our world is that we can stand for and with Jesus no matter what we're walking through. That is one of the greatest witnesses we can have as believers, as Christians, to stand when it's tough, to stand through grief, to stand through loss and pain and betrayals and battles and hurt and rejection, when we can stand through those things, it's a great witness to what God has done in our life, that no matter what we walk through, we can still stand. She stood when everyone else had run, when pain was piercing her very soul. She stood. She stood. Standing, at obedi- standing in obedience, it comes at a cost. It does. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to say it's easy. It's hard. There was a cost at 14 when the angel appeared to Mary and said, you're going to have the son of God and get, get ready. I'm changing your whole life. She, at, at 14, she might have had her own plans and thoughts for her life. There was a cost. She had to lay down her own plans, her own life, her own future, I mean, she probably didn't imagine it to be like that, but there was a cost. And there was a cost at the wedding because she knew this was going to put a lot of spotlight on Jesus. It was his first public miracle. And there was a cost at the cross because I don't know about you, but as a mother, I would have wanted to run two ways. I would have wanted to run to him to take away his pain or, or, you know, jump in the way or do something. Or I would have wanted to run away from his pain. But she trusted him. She'd learned all these years to obey him. A decision here to obey meant in the hardest, darkest season of her life, she could stand. She could stand. Because she learned to trust him, trust that God was faithful, trust that God knew what he was doing, trust that he was able. And in her darkest hour, she stood. It will cost. Obedience always costs, but it's worth it. Love doesn't quit. It doesn't run away. It doesn't hide from pain. It endures all things, overcomes all things, and empowers us in all things. And do you know what else? Who you stand with in your darkest hours matters. Mary's standing at the cross with her sister, with other Marys. We know John was there and there were probably a few other devote ones that I don't know their names, but they were there. Who you stand with in your darkest hour matters. I shared with the girls yesterday, after I had Jack, I had three miscarriages trying to fall pregnant with Geordie. And I was in a dark place. I was in a crisis of faith time where it was really, I didn't know what was going to happen. I was scared. And 
And I had to make a choice to keep turning up. I had to make a choice to let certain people into my life. I, had to, I, I, I tried to make myself go to church even though I didn't want to it sometimes. But I needed to do it. For me, I needed to get into the presence of God. I needed to let my connect group in help me. I needed my family. I remember um, my dad saying to me in that time, Shana, don't let your difficulty determine your direction. It was game-changing. You probably don't even know that that's what you said and it meant that much. But it was game-changing because that became something I said in my head. No, Shana, don't, don't let your difficulty determine your direction. Because it could have. But who you stand with matters. We've got to stand with the right people in our darkest hours that are going to encourage us and keep us focused and fixed our eyes on Jesus. We've got to stand with people who are going to build our faith and be with us. And stand in the pain. I'm not saying ignore the pain. The pain's there. Jesus, Jesus was on the cross. That was painful for her watching. Painful for him. I'm not saying deny the pain. No, I'm just saying stand with the right people. Find a tribe who will stand with you and let them in. Some of my greatest friends were my biggest support and helped me get through and helped me overcome to a place I can stand now and tell you what God did through that situation. 1 Corinthians 16 says, be on alert, stand firm in the faith. 2 Thessalonians 2, so then stand firm and hold to the traditions you were taught, whether by word of mouth or by letter from us. Philippians 4.1, therefore, my brothers who I long to see my joy and my crown in this way, stand firm in the Lord. Ephesians 6, put on the full armour of God so that you will be able to stand firm. Stand firm. She was able to stand because she knew and could trust God and had made a decision from way back here to be obedient. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And this is the most amazing part, that it's in her standing, in her pain and in her grief, which would have been too much to bear, that God gives her a new mission. In John 19, it says, So when Jesus looked down and saw the disciple he loved standing with her, this is John writing because he was the disciple that Jesus loved, he said, Mother, look, John will be a son to you. And he said, John, look, she will be a mother to you. And from that day on, John accepted Mary into his home as one of his own family. See, moments before Jesus died, in his distress, he thought about his mother and he gave her a new assignment. He's like, Mum, John, he's your son. John, she's your mother. He gave her a new assignment right in the middle of her pain and in her grief. I wouldn't want to hear that. But God gives us new assignments and new things to do. And guess what? She made a choice to be obedient in that moment because it wasn't about her. It was about him. Just when she thought it was all over, Jesus reassigns her and gives her a new mission. And this is a word for you. Maybe you're standing in grief and pain right now. Maybe you've been through loss. That God wants to give you a new mission. He's just asking us to do whatever he tells us. And do you know what? It's where you're standing now. It's not where you think you should be standing where you get the new mission. Often it's in the pain and the grief and the hurt. 
Do you know, I remember having a conversation with a beautiful pastor in our church, Janine Donato. One day, I had little kids, like babies, maybe a bit older, and we were having coffee. I reckon Josh set her up to come and have this conversation. And she said to me, Shana, do you feel called to ministry? I'm like, I don't know, maybe, yes, I'm here to serve. I, I want to support my husband. She goes, do you feel called? I'm like, I don't, I guess I do, but I'm not going to do that now. I'm going to do that when my kids are teenagers. And as it came out of my mouth, I was like, oh, look at me telling God what to do. <laughs> oh, no, 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 I'm not doing that now. I'll do that in 10 years' time. <laughs> God wasn't looking for me to tell him when he could use me. He was just looking for me to be obedient and to respond to his call. We have to do it where we are standing now. We have to trust him and say, you know what? I'm your servant. I'll do what you tell me. And you know what? I can keep standing through whatever I'm facing right now. You know, we have an opportunity to respond right now too. What do we learn from her? We learn that Mary at the age of 14 learned to trust God and lay her life down. We learn that by Cana, she had obeyed for 30 plus years. So she was now training other people to do what he told her. And by the cross, she was able to stand because she had journeyed this for these times. She journeyed and learned how to trust and obey because of this obedient step down here. I'm here to tell you this morning that you can trust him. Maybe you don't know if you can trust him, you can trust him. I'm living proof of it. Anybody who comes and does something has walked a journey, you can trust him. When it doesn't make sense, when you want to run, when you want to retract, when you think it's unclear, when you're in lack at the wedding, when you're in lack, when you're in the darkest time of your life, when you are unsure about your future, you can trust him. And he gives you new assignments. He'll speak to you anytime, wherever you are. It's not where you think he should speak to you. But are we listening? Are we responding? When he's whispering, even about that person that you walk past, do whatever he tells you. He always knows what's best. I'm going to pray for you but in just a moment. But, hey, if you don't know God and you are today going I've been living my own life my own way I just want to give you an opportunity to say yes to him today best decision best choice you will ever make because he knows what's best for you he knows what's ahead and he's got you and he is faithful and he will be with you but it takes a decision right here saying yes so I'm going to get everyone to close your eyes and bow your heads and if you don't know him today He's inviting you. He's saying, let me in. I'm here. Will you do what Mary even did? I am your servant. It means laying your life down. Yes, it does. And there will be a cost, but I promise you it'll be worth it. Because God has his best ahead of you. So pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, today I choose you. I choose to say yes to you. I'm sorry for living life my own way. Today, I say I'm your servant. Take my life, turn it around and use it for good. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed.
Because if you prayed that prayer and you said, you know what, I need to stand for him. First time you've ever prayed it or maybe you've prayed it a long time ago and today you prayed it again afresh and you meant it. Will you just raise your hand? I'd love to see where you are. I'd love to connect with you. I'd love to speak to you. That's awesome. Bless you. God's going to change your life. It's just that obedience and saying yes. And then he can step in and something amazing is going to unfold. I'm so excited for you, Father. I pray for this amazing girl. Bless her. Go before her. I pray you will surround her like a shield. I pray you will make the path clear for her. I pray that each and every day that she responds and says yes to you, that you will guide her and direct her. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. How good is God? I'm going to get you to just stand where you are. And I want to pray for you. I just want you to lift up your hands. I can sense the Spirit of God's here and I believe He wants to minister to you. And I just want to pray over you that you will be bold, that you'll continue to say yes and continue to say, I am your servant no matter what you're doing. So that when times come that are tough, and when times come that you have to stand, that God will strengthen you and encourage you and that you'll be a great witness for him. And not only that, but he would give you new assignments, even this week. I pray he reveals to you something to do that's out of the ordinary because we pray this prayer. I'm your servant. I'll do what you tell me. 